Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, listening friends. This is a day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it here on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. And we appreciate you tuning in with us. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I also welcome you on behalf of Elder David Wise. We're partners in this ministerial effort, and we invite you to our respective churches. I pastor Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and he pastors Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church on Highway 15 near Ackerman, Mississippi. Both of our churches meet at 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning. Go to the website that uh, is associated with this broadcast. It's gospel-of-grace.com. You'll be able to find uh, frequently asked questions, links, uh, church locator, and archived messages. We have been blessed for several years now to host a abbreviated service and fellowship every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. in Starkville, Mississippi, not far from the Mississippi State University campus. We are on the grounds of New Covenant Church, and that's located at 200 West Garrard Road, that's G-A-R-R-A-R-D, in Starkville, Mississippi. We meet at 6 p.m. every Wednesday night and would love to have you. We present for you today a series of messages regarding the Apostle Paul as our pattern. Bear with us, stay with us, and right after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message. Thank you, listening friends, for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel Grace Radio Broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm turned in my King James Translation Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, reading the inspired words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. We read, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Oh, friends, when we believe today in the New Testament church kingdom, when we believe today and we enjoy an anticipation and an evidence and a, and a, a power of that life everlasting that's been acquired for us by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and the Holy Spirit regeneration and the everlasting love of the Father, Oh, it imparts us power, and we believe on him 
not to gain life everlasting, but to the things, the essence, the efficacy, all oh, the, the greatness, the eminence of everlasting life that awaits us. Oh, it's a knowledge that passes all understanding. And he said, for all those who have a hope in Jesus Christ, you can look back at the Apostle Paul as your pattern today. Now, this is our third message we're delivering in this series. First message, you can go back and listen to, to it at gospel-of-grace.com. That's the website uh, for the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. And we pointed out many ways in which our experiences do not match up with the Apostle Paul. So therefore, that could not be part of the pattern because a pattern matches up. That's obvious. Even a kindergartner can tell you that. A pattern matches up. And so I know many parts of my experience, many other people's experiences in Jesus Christ uh, that we know they just don't match uh, the pattern of the Apostle Paul in certain respects. So then we started dealing with those ways which are common to all of the Lord's people. What has happened for all of them alike and what happened to the Apostle Paul? And he taught that during his life and ministry. He exhibited that through his sacrifices, through his uh, healings, through his power, uh, through his inspired uh, scripture that he gave us. Uh, he exhibited and he taught about those things. So we spoke about how one, the Apostle Paul was loved from the foundation of the world. Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today and you have a hope in Jesus, then you were loved from before the foundation of the world. Every elect child of grace who will ever be in heaven, uh, no matter what, what amount of cognitive knowledge they come under the sound of. They've all been loved from before the foundation of the world. We also dealt with how that Paul said that he lived according to the course of this world or lived a very wicked, unregenerated, unborn again, that's what that means, life before he was born again on the road to Damascus as recorded in Acts chapter 9. Well, friends, we also went to scriptures and proved from the scriptures plainly how that all uh, who will ever live in heaven all were born in a fallen and corrupt nature and lived according to the course of this world. Some lived that way maybe just a few weeks before they were born again in the womb. Some lived that way only maybe a few years and they were born again when they were small children. Some lived that way most all of their lives before uh, they came to spiritual life in Jesus Christ. Maybe it was on their deathbed. Maybe it was in a nursing home. Uh, the thief on the cross wasn't being preached to. He came to great special divinely given knowledge while he hung upon the tree of the cross about to die. See, so... We all lived according to the course of this world to some degree before we were born again of the Spirit of God. Well, we look at another aspect. We taught how that Paul was born again immediately by Holy Spirit regeneration on the road to Damascus. Well, somebody may disagree with me. My regeneration, my being born again was a process. I had to hear, then I had to believe, and then I had to confess, and then I had to be baptized. Well, I'll tell you, you embrace that if you want to, but my friends, by that formula... Uh, there'll only be a handful comparatively, relatively in heaven. And the uh, problem is there's so much variation there. Uh, and uh, the problem is it's not taught in the word of God. Regeneration is always spoken of as a quickening. Well, one thing I know about quickening is it's quick. It's not a 10-step process, not even a two-step process. It's immediate. And we taught that in our last message. And Paul was immediately born again on that road to Damascus. 
Now, we know that, uh, friends, being born again, uh, being secured for heaven is not through gospel agency. That matches the pattern of the Apostle Paul. He was not being preached to. The gospel was not uh, of any premium in his life when he was born again on the road to Damascus. So obviously, uh, gospel uh, means and gospel power and the preaching of the gospel and the hearing of the gospel and believing of the gospel and the walking in the gospel was not part of the pattern. Okay, well now... Let's start with a new point today. Let's go to point number five on those things that do match the pattern. Now, a pattern, again, it matches. And we'll see that the Bible teaches that this matches the pattern of all children of God. Okay? Just like it did and applied to the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, It produced a drastic change in him. Everlasting life when it was imparted under the Apostle Paul, it produced a drastic change. I mean, this change. This man, I'm sure, was barely recognizable in his deportment, in his demeanor, in his conversation and walk of life after he was born again than he was before. Before he was high-headed and proud, a pocket full stuff full of letters of authority to go and to kill and imprison and torment Christians. And then... What happened to him afterwards? Oh, a drastic, drastic change. Here this man is humbled. Here this man is had got scales upon his eyes. Here this man is cry, had cry, already cried out to the Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? Oh, what a change has been made in this man. He taught that in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Notice uh, he's describing what he was before and what made the difference. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 reads, For we ourselves also, remember now, this was written of the inspired uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God by the Apostle Paul. For we ourselves also, he's counting himself in that, just like us. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. And we quoted that passage of Scripture, verse 3, back when in the last message, uh, when... Uh, we were teaching about walking according to the course of this world. That that was a proof text for that. But then he goes on in verse 4 and he says, but, you see that but means something uh, diametrically opposed to that is about to be pointed out. Something's happened. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about being born again, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, friends, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Somebody may say, well, I believe. Well, did you do it? Yes, I believed. Well, it's not a work of righteousness that can uh, get you into heaven. Uh, belief is a work. Go to John chapter 6. The, the Lord Jesus Christ taught that it was a work of God. That didn't mean, he wasn't saying there that it was God working it in you, which that in itself is a sound theological point. God does work belief in you. But in that context, he was telling things for you to do, for you to execute, to do the works of God. And one of them was to just believe in him and trust him. And I'll tell you, if you've ever believed in Jesus Christ, you know uh, there's many things you have to labor against in this world. It's hard work sometimes. Believing and trusting in the supernatural when you're living in a world which wants to tear down everything that is spiritual and supernatural and always point to the carnal and the material. They want to point to humanism and not to God. Friends, it's a work. 
Well, he says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Did you pray a sinner's prayer? Well, that's a work. It's a work of righteousness for you to pray unto God. It wasn't according to that. Okay. I uh, walked down the aisle and gave my hand to the preacher. Well, is that a work of righteousness? I encourage you all that if you've come to a sound church and you've come convicted of the truth of Jesus Christ and you haven't been baptized, is baptism a work of righteousness? Yes, it is. Well, it's not according to a work of righteousness, even baptism by which we've been saved. We've been born again by the spirit of God. And he says, notice the, the change there, the drastic change. After he describes how hateful and malicious all this, he says, but after something, after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appear. That means when mankind is born again in the Spirit of God, that is the kindness and the love of God our Savior applied to him vitally. That means while he lives, here in this life, he doesn't just have that experience in heaven after a while. He enjoys a heavenly experience right down here upon the face of the earth, vitally in his heart and soul and mind, vitally. He said, but after that happens, everything's different. See how he presents it? There's a drastic change. Now, uh, look at Galatians chapter one, verses 13 through 16. Again, written by the apostle Paul. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past. Remember, he walked according to the course of this world. Okay? For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But notice the change. But, but when it pleased God, now, many people might say, well, you know, you're born again because you choose to be born again. You've got to make the choice today. It's all up to you. But here the Apostle Paul says this was according to the pleasure of God, the timing, but when it pleased God. It was according to the pleasure of God, the timing that it happened, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, he'd been to the God over the Apostle Paul, even before he was born again, all of his life, God had had purpose in him and had watched over him and kept his hand of providence upon him. He said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Was that by the preaching of the gospel? Go read Acts chapter nine. You'll see that it wasn't, but it was the direct regenerating, making him born again call of Jesus Christ, the voice of Jesus Christ, just like John 5, 25. Uh, verily, verily, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul. And he said, that's what happens to all who are born again uh, by God. He said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to do what? To reveal his son to me? Uh, no, he didn't drop a Bible in his lap. Saul of Tarsus knew the scriptures. He had them memorized. He knew the scriptures in his brain. He needed something done inside his heart and soul and spirit. The word of God had never done that. The written word of God, the inspired word of God had never made a, a difference in him because he didn't have, my friends, uh, he didn't have the word, the living word, the capital W-O-R-D word, Jesus in his heart for him to have a place for the small W-O-R-D word of God the gospel in him. He said to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, but he went on to talk about how he went on to Syria, on to Damascus, and he dwelt with the brethren there and preached Jesus Christ. You see the drastic change that took place 
immediately after he was born again. Notice our experience as expressed by the apostle Paul to the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter five, verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. He's describing there exactly what's being described in Romans chapter seven. If you're not having a struggle today, my friends, and you're satisfied living in the world, then a work of grace hasn't been done in you. But if you do have a struggle of conscience regarding your relationship with God, then I'm here to tell you, my friends, there's, that can only come from one place. And it's the Holy Spirit of God within you. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Oh, there's that dog fight going on all the time in a born again soul. And these are contrary the one to the other. Notice this. So that ye, who are the ye under consideration? Those who have both spirit and flesh natures. That's what's under consideration. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Now, by that saying, he's meaning there that you cannot do it in the same manner that you used to. You cannot do it with impunity. You cannot do it without conviction. You cannot do it free and easy. Uh, you know, just like uh, just wafting through this world without a care in the world, uh, living in drunkenness, debauchery, filth, fornication, pornography. Oh, used to, there was a time when you wouldn't have a conviction of spirit over that. You just didn't want to get caught by other people. All right. But now, my friends, when God's spirit has come into your heart, you don't want to dishonor God by that. And if you look at it and if you delve into it, you feel a conviction of spirit. Oh, my friends, yes, there's pleasure of sin for a season, but that season always ends for a born again child of God. And they'll come under conviction. He said, so that you cannot do the things that you would. He's not saying you'll never mess up again. He's not saying you'll never lust. You'll never lie. That you'll never deceive. That maybe you'll never drink to drunkenness again. I, I highly implore you to stay away from all of that. But yet we are still sinful creatures, even though we have the spirit of God dwelling in us. But you cannot do it like you used to do it. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Notice the definitive language here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature being in Christ vitally. That means being born again. Now Christ is dwelling in you and you are vitally in him, in your life. You exude Jesus Christ. He says, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. What are the old things? Again, that former manner of life that you used to live with impunity and in happiness like a hog in the squatter. He said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, rather than just seeing this world, you're able to see not only this world, but now you're able to see the spiritual realm, the reality of God, the power of his eternal power and Godhead. You're able to see because you've been born again of the spirit of God in a, in a manifest way. You're able to see these things in a powerful way, not only in your mind, but in your hearts. You feel it. You know it. There's faith there that calls you to yearn after God. You want to learn more about him. And when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, uh, the man who lived the perfect life for people who could never live the perfect life, the man who never messed up for people who continually messed up, then I'll tell you, my friends, if that Holy Spirit of God is in you, you could say, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. That sounds like he's talking about my case. He's been reading my mail. He's been breaking into my email. He's been reading my mind. No, that's the Holy Spirit of God within you. Okay, that's not the preacher doing that. That's the Spirit doing that. He said, all things are become new. There's a new walk. There's a new way. There's new conviction. New experiences awaiting you. It causes a drastic change. 
Another thing we can say we have commonality with the Apostle Paul is part of that drastic change is belief of the gospel through faith. Now, am I saying that every single one that's ever has been born again or ever will be born again will, without a shadow of a doubt, come under the sound of the preaching of the gospel, hear it, believe it, be convicted by it, be baptized in the church, and walk in it till the day they die? No. I wish I could. I wish I could teach that. But the problem is the word of God doesn't hold it up. But what it does teach is that when you're born again of the Spirit of God, you know Jesus Christ. Do you know everything you can ever know about Jesus Christ? No. But the word of God teaches me that you have been made intimately aware of, introduced to, and in an experience with, intertwined with Jesus Christ in an inextricable way. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Notice he pointing back to that Genesis account of the creation of the universe. The light shone out of darkness by the voice and the command and the, the whole, only by the working of God. Immediately that light shone. Well, that's how we're born again, the Spirit of God. And he's describing that experience for God who commanded commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. And what does he do in that heart? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that person, Jesus Christ, literally the Jesus Christ, the man who is in heaven in his spirit and the efficacy of his blood and in his fellowship, to some extent, you know him. You know him. Again, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius had a knowledge of the true God of glory, who is Jesus Christ, before he heard cognitively the news of Jesus Christ by the preaching of Peter. The light had already shined out of darkness, and the person of Jesus, the identity, the being of Jesus was already in his heart. Oh, wasn't it wonderful when he heard more about specifically that Lord? It's just like a child that's born in this world. That child is already born with a knowledge of mama, an instinctual knowledge of mama. But that child can't tell you mama's name. That child can learn mama's name. That child can't tell you, uh, can't describe to somebody what mama exactly looks like. No, that child's vision is off, but that child still knows mama. And I'm going to tell you, friends, those people out there born again in the Spirit of God, and I want to preach the gospel to them because I want, my friends, the Jesus that's in their heart to meet the Jesus of the Word of God in their minds. And when the good news of the mind meets the presence of the Lord in the heart, and I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, that's a Holy Ghost experience right there. Oh, that's joy. That's power. That's peace. Oh, brothers, that's something to live for in this life. It's not only good to die by, it's even better to live by. Oh, yes, sir. That's the Apostle Paul wrote that, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Notice the words of Jesus in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, I can't perfectly describe. I mean, I can't tell you how many people outside of evangelized realms could be among the elect of God. That's God's business. I'm not going to begin to give you percentages and try to quantify something that is unquantifiable by man and our weak little minds. 
But according to the word of God, when somebody believes in Jesus Christ, that's one in whom I can have confidence that that person's been born again, and that's a child of God. But friends, before they ever heard the gospel, they had to be born again of the spirit. And if they were born again of the spirit, they knew Jesus Christ in their hearts. The last thing I want to deal with today real quickly is friends, is that the same pattern of the apostle Paul applies to every child of God in that number seven, they were saved from sins the same way as every other elect heir of heaven. Oh, friends, we've all been saved the same way. Romans chapter eight, verses 28 through 32. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That called is regenerated, born again, called out of death and sin to life in Jesus Christ. That's every person who will ever live in heaven. Old Testament, New Testament, all of them. People of every kindred nation, people in tongue of all ages. Friends, he says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, what of all things under consideration here in this context? It's all the things that God has predetermined for your eternal life salvation. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. He went on to say whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. It's spoken of as past tense, done, finished work. Why? Because it's not done by preachers. It's not done by your grandma and it's not done by you. It was done by Jesus Christ and our Lord of glory. He said, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? You see, this is an altogether thing. This matches the pattern. The way you go into heaven matches the pattern of the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul was writing this to the church at Rome. And I want you, some people get snagged on the calling and the justifying. They think, well, uh, some people are called to everlasting life by the hearing of the gospel and they're justified into everlasting life because they believe that gospel. Friends, I want you to think about something. Whatever being called and justified is for me and for you in that context right there of Romans 8, 28 through 32, whatever being called and justified is for us must also apply to every heir of grace. Because who he started with, then he finished with. And he applied that to us. Well, friends, is Abraham included in that? What about all those Old Testament saints? What about all the ones in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 of whom it said that they were not received the blessings of being justified by faith as we are in the New Testament? So, friends, if they're included in that number, and absolutely they are, then they couldn't have been called by the gospel of Jesus Christ and justified by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. But whatever that calling and justification is in that context where he points out the efficacy, the definite manner of everlasting life for every single one whom he knew before the foundation of the world and every single one of them will be with him in heaven after the world is destroyed. Friends, that exact same thing applies to all alike. Whether Old Testament or New Testament, in the womb or out of the womb, mentally able or mentally incapable, hearing the sound doctrine, or maybe hearing varying degrees of doctrinal accuracy. You see, there's a wide variety of experiences in this life, friends, but I thank God that in God is no variableness nor shadow of turning. What is described in that passage of Romans 8, 28 through 32 that applies to me applies to every single one who live in heaven. It applies to Abel. It applies, my friends, to Samuel. 
It applies, brothers and sisters, to the little Hebrew maiden that testified of the power of Elisha unto Naaman the Syrian. Yes, it applied to them the same way it applies to me. Brothers and sisters, that's the pattern. That's the pattern. It matches. It's alike. And I rejoice that that pattern points to God alone as the means of our salvation. Until we're able to meet with you again, may the Lord richly bless you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonder.